of getting a definition of a word on your iOS device. David Woodbridge from Vision Australia shows us how to get a definition of a word on iOS devices. So we, uh, about a week or a week and a half ago, uh, we released NVDA 2013.1. Michael Kern from NV Access tells us all about the latest from NVDA and NV Access. Demonstration of Audio Archery, a game that was released for iOS by Elworks. And David Woodbridge comes back again with a review of Audio Archery for your iOS device. Well, hello there, and welcome to Main Menu for the week of June 7th through June 14, 2013. I'm your host, David Tanner, and glad you're with us here today. Let us know what you think of the new intro here, and let us know whether you think it sounds uh, like something you'd like to keep hearing on our intro, or maybe not. Well, today we do have a couple or so interesting things for you. We had hoped to also be broadcasting this week the second part of the review for the Voice Dream Reader iOS app, but unfortunately what happened is the folks who make that app came out with a brand new major upgrade on June 5th, which was just day before last, and we didn't have time to get the app and get it all studied up and be able to cover it, and we really need to cover some of those new features in this latest release of the app, so we will air that next week when we have more of a chance uh, to get into the app and be able to show you all the new features, and plus the features we had planned on showing you here on Main Menu, so stay tuned next week for that. Also, you'll want to be coming back to hear us in the coming weeks because I just come back from a visit to the IAAIS annual conference held this year in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and that is the organization of several hundred radio reading service stations from all over the world and Main Menu does broadcast on many of those stations and had a chance to go to that conference and record a number of the presentations there and we'll be trying to present some of those to you over the coming weeks here on Main Menu and hopefully we'll also be able to bring you some interviews from some of the folks that will be at the IAAIS conference and that's you'll also hear here on Main Menu. Well, let's go ahead and get into our presentations for today. You have a great week, and we'll see you back here again next week on Main Menu. Now available, it's the ACB Radio Tuner, version 8. What you try now, man? A triumph of technological engineering. A work of art. Now ACB Radio is easier than ever to receive. With our ACB Radio Tuner number 8, 
You can receive all of our channels, such as Mainstream, The Voice of the Blind Community, Cafe, uh, What You Said, Treasure Trove. I was on Jack Benny's program. I heard you and you as well. Interactive. Oh, we got both kinds. We got country and western. World news and information. Your Majesty, congratulations. And our live events channel. Pick it up today from our download section on www.acbradio.org. The following presentation is brought to you on Main Menu, courtesy of David Woodbridge and Vision Australia. To find out more about Vision Australia, visit them on the web at www.visionaustralia.org. Vision Australia. Blindness and Low Vision Services. Welcome to this demonstration of getting a definition of a word on your iOS device whether that be your iPhone, iPod Touch or iPad using VoiceOver. And in this particular instance, I'll be using my iPhone 5 with the iBooks app to get a definition of a word. This function also works in other apps on the iOS device. I've actually tried the same function in Safari mail, notes, and other apps as well. So let me first of all say that I've got my iPhone 5 turned on. VoiceOver is running, and I'm currently sitting at one of the home screens that contains, in this case, the iBooks application. I should also say that I've currently got my hints turned off. And just as a reminder for the basic gestures for VoiceOver, you can drag your finger around the screen to find items under your finger, or you can do a one finger flick left and right to move to the previous and next item on the screen, followed by, of course, the one finger double tap to open an app or activate a control. So let me touch the screen and see if we can find iBooks. iBooks. And there it is. One finger double tap to open up iBooks. iBooks. Library button and for this demonstration i've previously opened up a book which is the hobbit let me touch the middle of the screen to put the focus on the text did not know whether it was just a pool in the path or okay. the edge and let me do a two finger rotate around to words characters yep. words and there's words so i'm going to do one finger flick down and we'll get to a word to get a definition of so one finger flick down to move forward word by word. Did not know whether it was just a pool. Okay, let's get a definition of the word pool, P-O-O-L. And what I'm going to do now is a two finger open pinch. So rather than closing my fingers together to do a closed pinch, I'm doing a open pinch. So starting with my two fingers together on the screen and pulling them apart to highlight the word that I'm currently sitting on. So I'll do that now. Pool selected. Okay, that's selected. So now I'm going to do a two finger rotate again using the rotor around to edit. Speech rate, volume, punctuation, hints, headings, edit. Okay, and one finger flick down. Note, search, define. And there's the define option and one finger double tap to get the definition of the word pool, P-O-O-L. 
Dictionary. And let's do a two-finger swipe down to read the definition of the word. Dictionary. Done. Button. Pull one vertical line. Pull vertical line. Noun a small area of still water. Typically one formed naturally. Bullet a small, shallow patch of liquid lying on a surface. A pool of blood. Vertical line. Figurative. The lamps cast pools of light on the wet streets. Bullet a swimming pool. Bullet a deep place in a river. Verb. No obj. Of water or another liquid. Form a pool on the ground or another surface. The oil pooled behind the key walls. Escaping slowly into the river. Bullet. Of blood. Accumulate in parts of the venous system. Origin Old English PL. Related to Dutch Pole and German Fall. Pool 2 Vertical Line Pool Vertical Line Noun 1 A supply of vehicles or goods available for use when needed. The oldest vehicle in the motor pool. Can I just do it Bullet a group of people available. To stop the definition talking. And I'm going to touch the top right hand side of the screen below the status line. Done. Button. And one finger double tap. Library. Button. Okay, and I'm back to the actual book. Let me close the iBooks application by pressing the home button iBooks. So basically, to get a definition of a word, and if you want to navigate to it, you do a two-finger rotate around two words. And by the way, the two-finger rotate, just as a reminder, is if you put your fingers at a clock face on nine and three on the screen, and then rotate them on the screen, say your left finger goes to ten and your right finger goes to four, every time you rotate that direction, which will be clockwise, you're moving clockwise through the rotor every time you do that gesture. So you rotate round to words, then you do a one finger flick down, which is the rotor option in this case to move forward word by word. You get to the word you want, you do the two finger open pinch, so two fingers coming apart rather than closing. That will then highlight the word, you'll actually hear voiceover say selected. Two finger rotate round to edit, one finger flick down to define, one finger double tap on define, and then you can do a two finger flick down to read the definition of the word. And of course, you could also use your voiceover gestures, one finger flick left to right to move up and down the screen item by item, reading the text that way as well. And then if you touch on the top right hand side of the screen, double tap on the done button, you're back in this case to the iBooks application that I did the demo in. So that concludes this brief demo of getting a definition of a word on your iOS device. Thanks for listening and bye for now. Vision Australia. Blindness and low vision services. I am very pleased to have back with us again today on Main Menu, a young man who's been with us several times before, and we always enjoy having him here to tell us about the latest goings on with NV Access and NVDA. I am pleased to introduce again Michael Kern, Director of NV Access, and welcome, Michael. Thanks for having me yet again. Well, we we really enjoy having you come and tell us all about what's going on. And I know right now you've got several uh, new and exciting things. The new release of the NVDA software, a new web page, and uh, wow. 
<laughs> so I'm just going to let you take over and tell us all about the new release and uh, what's going on with that. And uh, you you tell us whatever you want to tell us. And uh, we, we I'll just kind of sit here and listen. And uh, when, when you're ready to take questions, you let me know. Okay. <laughs> um, all right. Well, I'll start with the uh, release. So uh, we uh, about a week or a week and a half ago, uh, we released NVDA 2013.1. And uh, this has um, quite a few uh, new features, but I guess quite a lot of bug fixes as well. Um, so I'll go through the sort of four major new features and then quickly roughly go over a few bug fixes but um, so the, the first big thing which is possibly slightly the most controversial thing is our new laptop keyboard layout uh, for many years we've had a, a laptop layout uh, which in some ways was trying to emulate uh, similar keys uh, from the desktop layout on the on the number pad um, but we found that a lot of people weren't quite getting it, nor uh, nor was it quite uh, um, up to scratch in the sense that the rules that we were using for what modifier keys, you know, whether you use the NVDA key or the control key or the shift key, there was no real pattern to it. Plus, there were one or two letters as well that, that uh, sort of broke the overall pattern of what a number page should look like and things like that. So it was just all a bit mucked up and we thought it was time for a, a bit of a change and something that new users could understand much more easily. So we've gone for something that resembles, I guess, a lot more, say, like what you might be used to on the Mac, where uh, text review and, and object navigation is now based around the arrow keys uh, in conjunction with the NVDA key or other modifiers. So this works really great for, as I said, for text review and object navigation, but you must be aware though that uh, certain key commands such as say all and uh, read current line have been moved to other keys on the keyboard so that we can uh, have all the text review and object navigation commands fit nicely around the arrows. So there will be some little things for people to get, get used to, but um, from the feedback we've got, it's it's a lot easier for new users now and, and older users as well once they, they get their head around it. Um, and uh, NVDA does warn you that the laptop layout has changed when you first start 2013.1, and it does uh, tell you, uh, offer to to send you to the what's new document. Uh, sorry, or the the quick key command reference uh, to um, to find out exactly what has changed. So that's the first new feature. The second new feature is long descriptions. Uh, people will be aware that. Uh, graphics on the web can be labelled to some degree, whether that be with, with alt text or, or a title. Um, and that's fine for small descriptions, but when you want to really explain something in a lot of detail, so more than more than a phrase, so maybe a couple of sentences or a paragraph, uh, alt text or title isn't quite appropriate for that because it sort of clogs up the web page. Um, so there is a standard that was in HTML and also now is in HTML5 called Long Description, uh, which allows the web author to provide another sort of uh, web address to a page containing a description of that graphic. So this would be useful for things like maybe you've got a, a graph in a graphic or a big map or something like that, and you want to provide a, a very detailed text description. Uh, the web author can provide a, a pointer to that. 
Now, uh, in MVDA 2013.1, if there is a long description uh, on the web uh, on the graphic, it will say has long description, and you can optionally press MVDA plus D while on that graphic, and it will open the the new page uh, for you to to read that in detail. Um, Braille input. We now support uh, input of computer Braille uh, for Braille displays that have a Braille keyboard. Uh, this is quite useful for those who want to do some quick typing um, and I guess even for say Braille music transcription or something like that. Um, we don't yet support uh, grade one or, or grade two Braille input. Uh, that is coming but, but not, not yet. Um, but we, you know, we thought we'd get computer Braille out the door first because we certainly have identified quite a lot of people who were happy enough with just computer Braille. So uh, we got that in there for them. The next big thing, and it, uh, it is rather big, is our support for Microsoft PowerPoint. Uh, and this is thanks to uh, funding from various blindness organisations who got together last year at the uh, World Blind Union General Assembly uh, last uh, November. And uh, they wanted to see uh, support for Microsoft PowerPoint and MVDA, and so they uh, funded this and uh, we went to work straight away on this and what we've come out with I'm pretty happy with I mean you can uh, you can certainly now read slideshows so read all the text in a slideshow it'll uh, read the next slide as the slide changes or you you know change the next slide with space or page down uh, you can edit your slides so you can tab through the controls or objects on a slide you can press f2 to edit the the text content in the controls a lot of this support look it just uses standard PowerPoint keyboard shortcuts, which have always been in PowerPoint. Uh, we just needed to go in and actually make sure that NVDA was speaking the, the correct uh, stuff before this support. NVDA was literally speaking nothing in, in PowerPoint. Um, so we've done that. And so that now means that, you know, people in university or in school or even in the workplace now can both read and create their own presentations in PowerPoint. Uh, there is some work possibly yet to go. We don't quite support the outline view very well yet, um, nor do we uh, tell you such things as whether two objects are overlapping or things like that. Um, but we'll slowly add those things over time. But the most important thing here is that we want your feedback. Um, please tell us how your the PowerPoint support is going for you and are there any particular features you may want to see in there. Um, the next thing, uh, Microsoft Word uh, auto language switching. So in Microsoft Word, it's possible to tell, uh, to, to, to say in the document whether uh, some text is a particular language. Uh, and this was mainly used for, for spell checking, but screen readers in the past, other screen readers have picked this up and changed the synthesizer language uh, to read that text. So we've also done that as well. So now if you have, you know, some French text in the middle of an English document or something, and it is correctly marked as French, and your synthesizer supports it, then NVIDIA will switch the synth into French or whatever. Uh, we've done a few uh, upgrades to our Braille support in regards to USB. Uh, we have also changed our policy on um, whether we support uh, serial displays. So we've added uh, some support for serial displays and I guess more will be coming. Um, we also now support the Toshiba Bluetooth stack. Um, 
pretty technical, but there are several ways of accessing Bluetooth in Windows. So if you do happen to have a, a Toshiba driver, uh, that will work as well. Could I ask you, you something? Yes. Could, can I ask yes. you something there? If a person isn't sure, is there an easy way for a person to find out if they have the Toshiba um, stack? Uh, I'm sure there is. I don't have that uh, answer myself. Okay. Um, I know that, that Jamie was the one who did most of the Toshiba work, but mm -hmm. um, yeah, sorry, I don't know how to answer that. Is is that uh, uh, is that probably the most common one used? Probably. Uh, no, no. The the I would say the most common one would be the Microsoft one, the one okay. uh, built into Windows. But some some Bluetooth drivers tend tend to want to install their own Bluetooth stack because they think they can manage it better and things like that. Okay. Um, so some may have that. There is also I think another Bluetooth stack, which we may or may not support. It's quite annoying, really, because we'd, we'd all prefer that, obviously, they just use the standard Windows one. But, yes. Um, <laughs> there are a few. <laughs> um, but, yeah, you, you, know, um, try, you know, try out your, you know, if you've had trouble with Bluetooth and brow displays in the past, it's possible that it might work out. Okay. Uh, we support uh, some of the Braille, uh, most of the Braille note, uh, uh, note takers now uh, when they're in Braille terminal mode. Uh, as a braille display. Um, there have also been quite a few updates to eSpeak, the built-in speech synthesizer that we have in NVDA. Many more languages and fixes to those languages. Probably doesn't affect you know most, most English-speaking users, but certainly uh, will affect many European and uh, people. Um, there were several bug fixes with which are worth noting. Um, one bug fix is uh, if a if you've got a uh, you know you've set your synthesizer to something specific or your Braille display to something specific, but then you start NVDA and it's not available for some reason. So, for instance, uh, I don't know you you might have had some particular synthesizer that has failed because your audio has stopped or something funny like that, and it's defaulted back to eSpeak or, in worst case, no speech at all. Uh, if you restart NVDA, it will try that synthesizer or brow display again. Previously, it just remembered that it fell back to eSpeak or, or whatever, uh, which was annoying some people because in some cases it was falling back to the no speech driver and therefore uh, there was a problem. You restart NVDA and then you just get no speech after that forever and you'd have to go and ditch your configuration completely. Um, but that should be a lot nicer now. Um, and also we did some bug fixes for Adobe, Adobe Flash. It's now possible to use Flash in um, Firefox again with later versions of Flash because uh, some significant things broke in later versions of Adobe Flash. So we had to work around those. And also support for Windows 8. Uh, um, Adobe Flash in Internet Explorer 10 in Windows 8 is now possible to use as well. And that took some significant work uh, because they had... Uh, Mark, both Microsoft and Adobe had uh, made some big changes there. One advantage, though, is that we do actually support what they call transparent flash, which is becoming quite common on the internet, where the flash is sort of embedded into the page. I think visually it looks like it's part of the page instead of sort of a separate um, saying that they're not doing any more work on on Flash, certainly for accessibility. Uh, so because everything is now moving to HTML5. 
so they're really the major bug fixes that I wanted to talk about, but perhaps, um, David, you might you have uh, seen particular things that you might want to mention. I'm not sure. Uh, not really. I think you pretty much covered the ones that I had had oh, good. Uh, <laughs> had, had noticed and so forth. Mm -hmm. And uh, now with the, the kind of flash you were talking about, would that be sort of like what's on the new web page uh, down near the yeah. bottom? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, for videos or for right, YouTube right, or right, right. whatever, um, mm -hmm. you see a lot of flash around, but it is going away slowly um, and will be slowly replaced with, with standard HTML, which is good to see. Yeah, it'll be nice. <laughs> we won't be crying about it, I don't think. No. <laughs> okay. Um, well, one thing that I did notice, it seemed like uh, the way to add add-ons has changed a little bit, made it even easier for to add add-ons. Uh, yes, uh, so that so you're referring to being able to just like press enter in Windows Explorer and it will, right, right. Uh, pull in the, and uh, automatically tell NVIDIA to pull in the add-on. That's true. I I might be mistaken, but I'm pretty sure that was in 2012.3. It may uh, have been. It may have been. <laughs> now that you say that, it, I, I I think maybe it was. Mm. But it's worth mentioning anyway. Yeah, yes, yeah. It certainly is. To install add-ons nowadays, um, and just to remind people, the I guess the sort of community official place to get add-ons from is add-ons.nvda-project.org. Um, but we still also understand that there's a lot of other sites around offering add-ons as well. Now, is that the same as the the one you? Is that where you basically go if you take the link from the main web page from the NV Access page? Yes, that's correct. Yes. Okay. So okay. that is that is we we do mention it, we do advertise it, but it is community run. As an MV access doesn't necessarily check off everything on that list or anything like that um, you know, of those add-ons, but um, it's it's managed quite well. Mm -hmm. That's good. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, on the, I think I think you answered one of the big questions that I had was on the PowerPoint support and. Uh, uh, I wasn't quite sure, and I'm not uh, a, a very good PowerPoint user anyway. So, so uh, no, neither was I before I wrote support. So, <laughs> but uh, so, but I, I at first I thought maybe it was just reading a PowerPoint, but a person actually could create their own PowerPoint then with it. Yeah, look to a, to a certain degree, it's not going to be you know majorly all flashy and the best thing sure, in the world, sure. but it's certainly going to be readable. Um, so the best the best tip I can give is always use the templates that PowerPoint comes with. So when you create a new slide, it usually will ask you what kind of slide you want. It's best not usually to say blank and then try and make your own. Try and use mm. one where it like, might say title and content or you know two columns of content or whatever. And then that sort of guides you through and then you just replace the objects on the page that are already positioned correctly. Oh good, um, I'm glad to I know my, I'm glad to know my cheating is the best way to go. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it certainly is because we just, there's just no way for a sighted person. I mean, you know, we can add those extra features about telling you where the location is and all that, but at the end of the day, you know, no matter how much location information your screen reader is going to give you, it's still not going to be, you know, tremendously great for visual, you know, for sighted people. Right, right. Uh, you know, 
Right. It's certainly, you know, I mean, I, I know this from developing websites and stuff that, you know, you work with someone and they'll go, can you have that one millimeter to the left or something, you know, and you go, <laughs> why, does that really make a difference? Oh, yes, it does. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've created a few, but very few uh, uh, PowerPoints. And so uh, mostly I keep them. Uh, as simple as possible. <laughs> mm-hmm, that's right. <laughs> Get the point across as simply as possible. And frankly, I don't care if it's boring. <laughs> and I mean, it, look, it's worth it's worth mentioning that you there are a lot of other options out there. You don't necessarily have to use PowerPoint anyway. I mean, I use a most of the time use a, uh, a small sort of uh, library thing called. Uh, S5, which is just a small uh, sort of like JavaScript uh, library where you just write normal HTML uh, uh, web page, um, uh, but you you sort of mark it up in a particular way, and then uh, you have key commands to to jump between the oh, okay. the pages, and it looks like normal PowerPoint slides or whatever. I mean, you know, you as long as you know HTML, mm-hmm. um, which you know some people do, and they may not want to learn PowerPoint. Uh, they can, you know, employ what they know there and do it that way. Another option is just to write uh, basic uh, pages in, say, Microsoft Word or uh, or even, I guess, HTML, um, and then save them as PDFs. And then you just show them full screen in Adobe Reader, and you just switch pages each time you want a new slide. And that, that can work too, you know. Okay. So there's different options. But mm-hmm. I think a lot of people go for PowerPoint because obviously that seems to be what a lot of other people are using, and and that's fair enough, and that's why mm-hmm. we obviously added the support. So, mm-hmm. yeah. I, I guess the biggest thing that I've always wondered about when I was using PowerPoint is how do I know what that's really going to look like on the screen? And I just don't know any good way to do that. <laughs> no, I mean, you may, you may want to save, your uh, depending on what version of Office you're using, save the PowerPoint presentation as PDF and read that in Adobe Reader, that mm-hmm. should give you a pretty good idea. Oh, well, uh, because be. it would be okay. one, exactly, because be, each page will be one slide, and Adobe Reader does a pretty good job nowadays of, of getting, you know, accessibility-wise. So Sure, yeah. yeah. Okay, okay. Um, the uh, I've noticed uh, one of the things I really noticed in uh, uh, 2013.1 was I know previously in in 2012.3, the doing Outlook uh, with 2010 with Braille, uh, you really didn't work. (laughs) It didn't track. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) It didn't Mm -hmm. track, and uh, uh, the speech worked. But Braille didn't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the speech would sit there and read the message to you, and you'd look at the Braille display, and it was still at the top of the screen. <laughs> but now, oh, it's, but now it's working quite nicely, actually. Oh, yeah. good. Well, that's very good to hear. Yeah, um, uh, I think that may have. Um, we did do some updates to uh, Braille tracking in both. Uh, Internet Explorer and Microsoft Word, and sort of together, those things would both affect Outlook. So sure, that's sure. True. Because <laughs> I, I get the impression that basically, when you're editing in Outlook, you're basically in Word anyway. 
That's true in in Outlook 2010, yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah, and maybe mm-hmm. 2006. They, they change things all the time. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Speaking of um, Office and Word and Outlook, uh, I, I've been working with a number of clients lately, some of whom uh, have... Uh, because we can't actually buy 2010 anymore. All we can get is 2013. And so if we're supplying a copy of Office to some to a, a client, that's what we have to give them, <laughs> whether we want to or whether we don't. <laughs> yes. Uh, and well, what we're... Uh, yeah. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, I was just going to say that uh, we we did add some preliminary support for uh, Microsoft Word in, in NVIDIA 2012.3. Um, I know. Uh, um, and that, as far as I can tell, at least allows you to should read and write basic documents. Um, I haven't played with it too much. I'm not sure if there are issues with the ribbon or anything like that. I certainly know that Excel is very broken. But one of the sad issues with this is that um, people are really going to have to take this one up with Microsoft. Um, to give you a little bit of background, so this is mainly in Excel for editing formulas. Um, the uh, editing of formulas has never been actually accessible in Excel at all to to sort of to a technical degree. Um, so. Screen readers have previously relied on uh, getting the text from the, the you know, the, what's being written to the, the video display. Right. Um, uh, and in 2013, uh, Office 2013, they added all this cool support for UI automation and these standards in, in Excel, but the one thing they forgot to do was add that to the formula bar. Uh, and But what they also annoyingly did was take away the the um, writing of the text to the display. I mean, they obviously still write it so that people can see it, uh, but they use a, a direct 2D or whatever now, which, uh, as far as I'm aware, none of the screen readers, including us, can track. Oh. Um, so therefore, we'll be able to, uh, maybe in NVIDIA 2013.2, we might be able to clean up Excel a little bit so that you're able to at least arrow around the cells again, because I know that's broken. Uh, but as for actually tracking and editing formula, no. That, that is completely broken. And as far as I've tested with some other screen readers, it's broken for them too. Mm-hmm. And I can't see a, a good way of that being fixed. Microsoft's going to have to fix that. The laptop keyboard layout, um, it lo- I, think it's, I think it's easier myself. <laughs> yeah, we, I mean, we, we hope. Yeah, I mean, and a lot of people have said that we get one or two complaining and saying, oh, but it's just, it's bad, it's worse. And they're going, yes, but how bad? Or like, why is it worse? And then they struggle to, to tell us. I understand that it's going to take a while for people to get used to it. That's fine. But you can't really come to us and say that it's bad. You know what I mean? Yeah. As in, you've got to give us reasons. Yeah, no, I, th- I, I like it. I like the new layout. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Uh, uh, Question on the uh, support for Braille input. Uh, now, uh, you, you've got the computer Braille now, and with all the th- changes that are going on in Braille right now, um, are, we, are, are we actually, do you think we're eventually looking at um, 
more of the what do you call it unicode braille or uh, uh are you talking ueb UEB Unified English Braille Company. Yeah. yeah. So I can give you so we've uh, had the a UEB Braille table for quite some time for Braille output. So you've been able to read UEB Braille since about maybe 2010 or so. Uh, one of the reasons we did have that is because in fact Australia I think uh, well, I'll speak for Australia anyway. We ratified UEB um, many years ago in about 2007. Um, and that's been our national standard. Mm -hmm. um, and then, then America, I believe the U.S. has just come on, have they, this year or something? I think so. I think last fall, if I remember right. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, as I say, you can already read uh, read Braille in UEB with MVDA, um, but Braille input. Uh, we don't support any any contracted or uncontracted Braille. It's just computer Braille right. at the moment. When, once, we, once we do add that sort of support uh sort of generically add that support well since the ueb table is there it'll just in theory it should just work oh, okay we do add it we okay. haven't specifically had any for that um but there's a lot of questions about how we should do it um a lot of uh you know you look at implementations of braille input on many different ATs and operating systems. So Apple uh, iOS does Braille input rather different to maybe the way JAWS does it on Windows and things. So questions around, you know, when you are typing a contraction, should it, what should it be showing on the display before you finish the contraction? Mm -hmm. uh, how should we know you finish the contraction? Should you have to press space or finish it with punctuation? You know, there are lots of different things to think about and people have differing opinions on that. So once we sort of are clear on what our users want, uh, then that will better say how we're actually going to implement it because each of those options ch significantly changes how we would actually code the thing. So uh, um, there's a lot of answers still yet to, to come out. I tell you, I think this is a, a really great release and uh, I, I'm seeing uh, where I, I tell you, most everything I do now, I can easily do with NVDA. Uh, even, like I say, read and respond to email and uh, Word and so forth. But I'm working in 2010 at, uh, at, at work and in Windows 7. Now, uh, I have used it in WinVDA and in Windows 8, I do have that on one machine, and that's working quite well. And uh, my next challenge is to put 2013 on that computer, and we'll see how that goes. <laughs> yeah, I, th I think it'll be interesting to see how 2013 goes with all screen readers, to be honest. We'll, we'll see what happens. Right. Because there are a lot of changes in that version. So how about this new NV Access webpage? That's pretty nice. Yes, well, so this uh, was a, quite a few months in in uh, in the in the making. Um, I guess we started to consider this early 2000 and oh, maybe even late 2011. We were aware that we needed to uh, fix up the the website, and, and I guess mainly the reason was more so for for corporates than for sighted people. Um, We've been told on several occasions that our site was, you know, not exactly the most visually pleasing thing on in the world. Um, there was nothing terribly wrong with it because as we'd ask people, they'd go, I can't really tell you what's wrong with it, but it's just, you know, it's just not, you know, and <laughs> which annoyed us to no end as, as blind people because, you know, it, we just didn't know what, what was wrong. But um, 
so we got a marketing consultant and she's been very, very helpful with what, what you know, the direction we need to take mm-hmm. and we've worked mm-hmm. with a few other companies and a web designer and things like that and between all of us, we've been able to come up with a totally new revamped NV Access website. Uh, so people can now go to, to www.nvaccess.org, which is really the main, it's really now the, the main place where you should go if you want to download NVDA or you want to find out some basic information about it or you want to find out about NV Access. So we've really tried to brand it quite a bit more. I mean, obviously, NVDA is always going to be open source and in many ways owned by the community, but NV Access sort of chooses to offer a you know, a completely packaged, you know, and complete version of NVDA ready to download and, and use straight away. So if you go straight to the website, uh, you, you now have very clearly on the front page, it tells you the latest version of NVDA and a big download button. Very simple to do. Then you can choose to download, uh, donate before you download and things like that. Um, it tells you briefly what NVDA is. You can read about our story, so about um, how we started MV Access and why Jamie and I started NVDA and things like that. Um, and it's just a lot more nicer for, you know, we're hoping to to hopefully pull in a bit more corporate funding and things like that with this site because now if we do send corporates there, they actually believe that uh, this product is real <laughs> and, you know, that we are, um, you know, really in 120 countries and things like that. Right, so, um, right, right. You know, um, so hopefully, and, and we've got a lot of feedback both from Cited and from blind users too because, I mean, I guess one of our worries was, oh, are blind people really going to like what we're doing here? And um, no, I've gotten feedback from a lot of blind people saying, yeah, no, it's much more streamlined and easy to use. So that's great to hear, really. I mean, I, I mean, obviously we right. kept accessibility in mind, but, you know, yeah. Yeah, I think they're it's right. It, it's, it seems a lot more streamlined and, uh, like you say, easier to use, quicker to use um, first time around. Uh I found it easier to yeah. use. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, no, that's that's good. But um, and of course, look for for all uh, you know, information on development or other other community resources. You know, for specific NVIDIA users, then um, you, you can go to our community site, which is community.nvda-project.org. Which is sort of, you know, a lot of the content from the old NVDA-project.org. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's more, you know, we wouldn't be sending corporates there or anything like that or, or right. first-time NVDA users. Right. Um, this is more about just community and development, sort of the open source side of things. Mm-hmm. Um, you can go there for all that information. Okay. Well, I I got to tell you, I, I like the new web page. I really like the new release and... Uh, I want to congratulate you on both, and uh, congratulate on the release of both. And uh, thank you. Keep up the good work. Well, thank you very much. It's been great to talk to you again and to hear about the latest release. And uh, we'll be talking to you. Thanks a lot. All of us here on the Main Menu team consider your thoughts, questions, suggestions, and any other feedback that you may have very important. To interact with us on the show, you can send an email to mainmenu at acbradio.org. That's mainmenu at acbradio.org. If you would like to find past show archives and more information about Main Menu, you can visit our website 
at mainmenu.acbradio.org. If you would like to interact with us on Twitter and see all the latest show news, you can follow us by visiting www.twitter.com slash mainmenu or by following at mainmenu. If you would like to receive show announcements in your inbox and interact with other Main Menu listeners, you can subscribe to the Main Menu Friends mailing list by sending a blank email to mm-friends-subscribe at acbradio.org. That's mm-friends-subscribe at acbradio.org. If you're interested in other ACB Radio programming besides Main Menu, you can learn more about ACB Radio by visiting www.acbradio.org. If you would like to receive Main Menu as a weekly podcast, you can do so by subscribing to the Main Menu podcast feed with the URL http mainmenu.acbradio.org slash rss.php You can also hear us by subscribing to Main Menu in the iTunes store or by finding us in the iBlink radio app made by Serotech for iOS and Android powered devices. Finally, we are heard on radio reading services from all over the world. The radio reading service in your state or country may already be carrying Main Menu every week. If you would like to receive announcements about the latest ACB Radio programming news, including Main Menu, you can subscribe to the ACB Radio Announce Only mailing list by sending an email to announce-subscribe at acbradio.org. That's announce-subscribe at acbradio.org. Finally, if you would like to interact with listeners of all ACB Radio programs, you can subscribe to the ACB Radio Friends List by sending a blank email to friends-subscribe at acbradio.org. Anytime that you have any comments, questions, or suggestions that you would like us to hear, please get in touch with us. presentation is brought to you on main menu courtesy of david woodbridge and vision australia find out more about vision australia visit them on the web at www.visionaustralia.org vision australia blindness and low vision services welcome to this demonstration of audio archery a game that was released for ios by lworks and of course, that means you can play it on your iPod Touch, iPhone, iPad, or iPad Mini. Now, since the game has audio instructions, I'm actually going to run the game and let the game explain how it's played. So, of course, I've currently got voiceover on my iPhone. And the first thing that the game will tell you to do is that you need to turn voiceover off to play the game. So in that case, you need to have set triple click by pressing your home button three times to turn voiceover off and of course then on again when you finish playing the game. So if you haven't got that yet set, you'll need to do that. And to turn that on, you go into Settings, General, 
Accessibility, triple click, and then select VoiceOver. So as I said, that means you can then press your home button three times, turn VoiceOver off, play the game. When you're finished, you can turn VoiceOver back on again by pressing the home button three times. Okay, so I've got VoiceOver running on my iPhone. Let me touch my home screen to find Audio Archery. Audio Archery. And double tap is. to open. And one finger double tap to open. In order to play Audio Archery, VoiceOver must be disabled. Welcome to Audio Archery. Flick up with one finger to start. Flick down with one finger to hear instructions. Okay, so the first thing I need to do is to turn VoiceOver off with triple click. So one, two, three on my VoiceOver off. So it was one finger flick up to start playing, or one finger flick down for instructions. And I'm going to do one finger flick down for instructions. Tap the screen at any time to skip these instructions. In audio archery, it is your goal to meet or exceed the target score in each round by shooting arrows at a target. Each round consists of seven shots. Listen for the target as it moves left to right. Flick down to pull back your bow. Lift your finger to fire. Your goal is to shoot at the target when it is in the center. Wearing headphones for this can really help you. The closer you are to the center, the more points you'll get. A bullseye is worth five points. A shot in the inner ring is worth two points, and a shot in the outer ring is worth one point. Of course, missing the target will get you nothing. If you let three targets pass by you without shooting, you'll get a foul and get no points for that shot. If you can get past round 10, you'll become the archery master. Can you do it? Well, let's find out. Round 1. Okay, the target go. score is 3. Target score 3. Turn my finger on the screen. Release. Inner ring. Two. Okay, one point to go for three. Turn my finger down. Release. Inner ring. Four. Turn my finger on the screen. Release. Inner ring. Six. Turn my finger on the screen. Release. Bullseye. Oh. Eleven. Turn my finger on the screen. Release. Bullseye. Sixteen. Turn my finger on the screen and release. Inner ring. Eighteen. Exceeding oh, this uh, score level. This round. Inner ring. 20. Your score for this round is 20. And we'll play two more rounds to give it a bit more demo. Your total score is 20. Round 2. The target score is 6. So target score is 6. Turn my finger down. And release. Bullseye. Oh, 5. That was easy. Turn my finger down the screen. Release. Bullseye. Oh, two bullseye in a row. I'm going to three. Turn my finger down. Release. Inner ring. Damn. 12. Turn my finger on the screen. And release. Bullseye. Oh, good 17. Good another one. Another one. Screen, release. Bullseye. Oh, another 22. Bullseye. Come on, three times this time, Dan. Release. Bullseye. Excellent. Three 20, times in a row. 27. Screen, release. Bullseye. Ah, four times in a 30, row. 32. Your score for this round is 32. Your total score is 52. Round three. Okay, now in this the target round, score I'm is 10. My finger down. And I'm going to try and get below. So turn my finger down and release. Inner ring. So I can lose. Two. Turn my finger on the screen and release for the outer ring. Bullseye. Ah, no. Seven. Turn my finger on the screen. Release. Come on, outer Inner ring. Inner ring. Damn. Nine. Turn my finger on the screen. Release. Inner ring. Nope. I'm Eleven. Going to get past ten. Turn my finger on the screen and release. Inner ring. Thirteen. Turn my finger on the screen and release. Inner ring. Fifteen. Outer ring. 16. Your score for this round is 16. Okay, one more round. 
Your total score you is 68. Round four. Yeah, the target score is 12. I'm not going to fire now. It's going to do it three times. And then I'll forfeit that shot. Zero. Outer ring. One. I'm going to try and keep shooting for the outer ring now. Inner ring. No. Three. Release. Come on, outer ring. Bullseye. No, don't want Eight. a bullseye. Do my feet on the screen. Release. Inner ring. Ah. Ten. Do my feet on the screen. And release. Inner ring. Oh, listen. Twelve. What the inner ring? Do my feet on the screen. Release. Inner ring. No. 14. Your score for this round is 14. Right Let me start at the beginning on the left hand side. Your total score then. is 82. Round 5. Okay, the the target score Oops, is 15. Getting too excited. Wow. You missed. To do that. Zero. You missed. Zero. Outer ring. Good. That's One. Better. Outer ring. Two. Outer ring. Good. Three. I'm just going to be on the other side. Turn on the screen, release. Outer ring. Ah, beautiful. Four. Turn on the screen, release. Inner ring. No, 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 no. Six. Your ring. score for this round is Good, I've six. Failed. There we go. Finally. Your final score is 88. Welcome to Audio Archery. Flick up with one okay, finger to start. The beginning. Flick down with one finger and to you're hear instructions. Ready to play again. So if I did a one finger flick up now, it would go straight back into the game. And then you need to then play each level as it increases from three, six and onwards. And I believe I made it to nine and then I missed out on number 10 by not getting enough bullseyes. But as you can tell, it's quite fun and you can really play it how you like. So, for example, I like to try and match the actual number of the round. And as you can tell, you can definitely get bullseyes. You can try and get it so it just lands in the middle. You can shoot from the left or right to land in the outer ring. So you can actually make it lots of fun. And that's what I like about this game, that you can really play it however you like. So let me just press my home button three times to restart voiceover. One, two, three. Voiceover on. And press the home button to, of course, come out of audio archery. Audio archery. Double tap to open. Okay, and I'm back to audio archery on my iPhone 5 screen. And look, please download it. It's a free game and it's certainly worth a lot of fun. I've unfortunately been playing it at work purely for evaluation purposes, of course, and it's a really hard game to put down. It's just outright fun. So as always, thanks for listening and bye for now. Vision Australia. Blindness and low vision services. The following presentation is brought to you on Main Menu, courtesy of David Woodbridge and Vision Australia. To find out more about Vision Australia, visit them on the web at www.visionaustralia.org. Welcome to this demonstration of Find My iPhone using the Play Sound feature which comes in very handy to locate your iOS device whether that be your iPhone, iPod Touch, iPad or iPad Mini.
and of course all of those devices have to be on and are able to be reached either via Wi-Fi or the cellular network of course to allow find my iPhone to locate those iOS devices and of course all using the same Apple ID. Now I've allowed Find My iPhone to locate on my iOS devices and I've also installed Find My iPhone on all my iOS devices because then no matter what device I'm currently using I can find any other iOS device. So my iPhones, my iPod Touches, my iPads and my iPad Mini all have the same Find My iPhone application installed on them ready to go. So for the moment, I've currently got my iPhone 5 in my hand and rather than secreting my iPad mini in the house somewhere so you can tell it really does work, I've just currently got it sitting next to me on the lounge here so you can hear what the sound sounds like. Okie dokie, so let me touch the screen to find, find my iPhone. Find friends. Find iPhone. Okay, there's find iPhone. One finger double tap, one finger double find tap to iPhone. open. My devices. Help button. Now, previously, I've already signed in to find my iPhone with my Apple ID, and all my iOS devices are currently registered on Find My iPhone with this current Apple ID that I can now flick through to see what I've currently got located on the list. So, one finger flick to the right. My devices, heading, sign out button, all devices. David Woodbridge's iPad Mini, 30 seconds ago. Okay, that's David Woodbridge's iPad Mini. David Woodbridge's iPad, 30 seconds ago. That's David Woodbridge's iPad. David Woodbridge's iPhone, this device. David Woodbridge's iPhone, this device. It's an iPhone 5. David's MacBook Pro, 30 seconds ago. It's my MacBook Pro, and one more to go. David Woodbridge's iPhone, offline. Currently turned off in my bag. So one finger flick back to the left to the iPad Mini. David's MacBook Pro, David Woodbridge's iPhone. David Woodbridge's iPad, one minute ago. David Woodbridge's iPad Mini, one minute ago. Okay, one finger double tap. Location, devices, back button. Now if I touch down the bottom left hand side of the screen. Play sound, button. That's the play sound button. Now if I one finger double tap that now, nothing happens because at the moment those buttons are not active on the screen. They're present, but they're not active. So the way to make them active so you can use them, if I do one finger flick to the left. Dismiss pop-up. Two minutes ago, call out info normal button. Okay, call out info normal button. If I one finger double tap on that, I've now made those buttons down the bottom of the screen active. So I've come back down the left hand side again. Play sound button. Now if I one finger double tap. Okay, that's the iPad mini now playing the sound so I could locate it wherever it's sitting in the house purely by the sound. And of course when I find it, I just pick it up and of course press the power button. Screen locked. And I've just relocked the screen and I'll stop the sound from playing. And that's all there is to it. So all I need to do now is just press the home button on my iPhone. Find iPhone. And lock my screen. Screen locked.
And that completes this demonstration of Find My iPhone using the Play Sound feature. And just remember that you have to make those buttons down at the bottom of the screen active by using the Call Info button first. And then you can use the buttons down at the bottom of the screen in Find My iPhone. So thanks for listening as always and bye for now. On behalf of the entire Main Menu staff, I'd like to thank you for being with us today here on Main Menu. We'll look forward to seeing you back again next week. Meantime, you have a good week, and we'll see you soon. Thank you.